"'Yes, I should like some more water now, love. "'And will you get a basin and sponge my hands?' "'Roberta obeyed. "'When she had done everything she could to make Mother less uncomfortable, "'she went down to the others. "'Her cheeks were very red, her lips set tight, "'and her eyes almost as bright as Mother's. "'She told them what the doctor had said, and what Mother had said. "'And now,' said she, when she had told all, "'there's no one but us to do anything, and we've got to do it. "'I've got the shilling for the mutton.' "'We can do without the beastly mutton,' said Peter. "'Bread and butter will support life. "'People have lived on less on desert islands many a time.' "'Of course,' said his sister. "'And Mrs. Viney was sent to the village "'to get as much brandy and soda-water and beef-tea "'as she could buy for a shilling. "'But even if we never have anything to eat at all,' said Phyllis, "'you can't get all those other things with our dinner-money.' "'No,' said Bobby, frowning. "'We must find out some other way. "'Now think, everybody.' "'Just as hard as ever you can.' "'They did think. "'And presently they talked. "'And later, when Bobby had gone up to sit with Mother "'in case she wanted anything, "'the other two were very busy with scissors and a white sheet "'and a paint-brush and the pot of Brunswick black "'that Mrs. Viney used for grates and fenders. "'They did not manage to do what they wished exactly with the first sheet, "'so they took another out of the linen cupboard. "'It did not occur to them that they were spoiling good sheets "'which cost good money. "'They only knew that they were making a good... But what they were making comes later. Bobby's bed had been moved into Mother's room, and several times in the night she got up to mend the fire, and to give her mother milk and soda-water. Mother talked to herself a good deal, but it did not seem to mean anything, and once she woke up suddenly and called out, "'Mama! Mama!' and Bobby knew she was calling for Granny, and that she had forgotten that it was no use calling, because Granny was dead. In the early morning Bobby heard her name, and jumped out of bed and ran to Mother's bedside. "'Oh!' "'Ah, yes. I think I was asleep,' said Mother. "'My poor little duck, how tired you'll be. I do hate to give you all this trouble.' "'Trouble?' said Bobby. "'Ah, don't cry, sweet,' Mother said. "'I shall be all right in a day or two.' And Bobby said, "'Yes,' and tried to smile. "'When you are used to ten hours of solid sleep, to get up three or four times in your sleep-time makes you feel as though you had been up all night.' Bobby felt quite stupid, and her eyes were sore and stiff, but she tidied the room and arranged everything neatly before the doctor came. This was at half-past eight. "'Everything going on all right, little nurse?' he said at the front door. "'Did you get the brandy?' "'I've got the brandy,' said Bobby, "'in a little flat bottle.' "'I didn't see the grapes or the beef-tea, though,' said he. "'No,' said Bobby firmly. "'But you will to-morrow, and there's some beef stewing in the oven for beef-tea.' "'Who told you to do that?' he asked. "'I noticed what Mother did when Phil had mumps.' "'Right,' said the doctor. "'Now you get your old woman to sit with your mother, "'and then you eat a good breakfast "'and go straight to bed and sleep till dinner-time. "'We can't afford to have the head nurse ill.' "'He was really quite a nice doctor. "'When the 9.15 came out of the tunnel that morning, "'the old gentleman in the first-class carriage "'put down his newspaper "'and got ready to wave his hand to the three children on the fence. "'But this morning there were not three. "'There was only one, and that was Peter.' Peter was not on the railings, either, as usual. He was standing in front of them in an attitude like that of a showman, showing off the animals in a menagerie, or of the kind clergyman when he points with a wand at the scenes from Palestine, when there is a magic lantern, and he is explaining it. Peter was pointing, too, and what he was pointing at was a large white sheet nailed against the fence. On the sheet there were thick black letters more than a foot long. Some of them had run a little because of Phyllis having put the Brunswick black on too eagerly, but the words were quite easy to read. And this was what the old gentleman and several other people in the train read in the large black letters on the white sheet. 
Look out at the station. A good many people did look out at the station, and were disappointed, for they saw nothing unusual. The old gentleman looked out too, and at first he too saw nothing more unusual than the gravelled platform and the sunshine, and the wallflowers and forget-me-nots in the station borders. It was only just as the train was beginning to puff and pull itself together with a start again that he saw Phyllis. She was quite out of breath with running. Oh, she said, I thought I'd missed you. My bootlaces would keep coming down, and I fell over them twice. Here, take it. She thrust a warm, dampish letter into his hand as the train moved. He leaned back in his corner and opened the letter. This is what he read Dear Mr. We do not know your name. Mother is ill, and the doctor says to give her the things at the end of the letter, but she says she can't afford it, and to get mutton for us, and she will have the broth. We do not know anybody here but you, because father is away, and we do not know the address. Father will pay you, or if he has lost all his money or anything, Peter will pay you when he is a man. We promise it on our honour. I owe you for all the things mother wants. Signed Peter. Will you give the parcel to the station master because of us not knowing what train you come down by? Say it is for Peter that was sorry about the coals, and he will know all right. Roberta, Phyllis, Peter. Then came the list of things the doctor had ordered. The old gentleman read through it once, and his eyebrows went up. He read it twice and smiled a little. When he had read it thrice, he put it in his pocket and went on reading the Times. At about six that evening, there was a knock at the back door. The three children rushed to open it, and there stood the friendly porter who had told them so many interesting things about railways. He dumped down a big hamper on the kitchen flags. Old gent, he said, he asked me to fetch it up straight away. Thank you very much, said Peter. And then, as the porter lingered, he added, I'm most awfully sorry I haven't got tuppence to give you like father does, but you drop it if you please, said the porter indignantly. I wasn't thinking about no tuppences. I only wanted to say I was sorry your mamma wasn't so well, and to ask you how she finds herself this evening, and I fetched her along a bit of sweet briar. Very sweet to smell it is. Tuppence indeed, said he, and produced a bunch of sweet briar from his hat. Just like a conjurer, as Phyllis remarked afterwards. Thank you very much, said Peter, and I beg your pardon about the tuppence. No offence, said the porter untruly but politely, and went. Then the children undid the hamper. First there was straw, and then there were fine shavings, and then came all the things they had asked for, and plenty of them, and then a good many things they had not asked for, among others peaches and port wine and two chickens, a cardboard box of big red roses with long stalks, and a tall thin green bottle of lavender water, and three smaller fatter bottles of eau de cologne. There was a letter, too. Dear Roberta and Phyllis and Peter, it said, here are the things you want. Your mother will want to know where they came from. Tell her they were sent by a friend who heard she was ill. When she is well again, you must tell her all about it, of course. And if she says you ought not to have asked for the things, tell her that I say you are quite right, and that I hope she will forgive me for taking the liberty of allowing myself a very great pleasure. The letter was signed GP something that the children couldn't read. I think we were right, said Phyllis. Right? Of course we were right, said Bobby. All the same, said Peter, with his hands in his pockets, I don't exactly look forward to telling mother the whole truth about it. We're not to do that till she's well, said Bobby, and when she's well, we shall be so happy we shan't mind a little fuss like that. Oh, just look at the roses. I must take them up to her. And the sweet briar, said Phyllis, sniffing it loudly. Don't forget the sweet briar. As if I should, said Roberta. Mother told me the other day there was a thick hedge of it at her mother's house when she was a little girl. 